Good morning. Good to see everybody. Thank you for coming. It really is a joy. God is completely and utterly head over heels for you. He loves you more than you may love your wife. He loves you more than you even love your kids. He loves you more than your parents or even you know, more, than, more than you love your parents. Of course, he's given us these relationships as an example to understand his love. But as, as A.W. Tozer notes, uh, he says, Yet if we would know God and for others' sake tell what we know, we must try to speak of his love. All Christians have tried, but none has ever done it well. I can no more do justice to that awesome and wonder-filled theme than a child can grasp a star. Still, by reaching toward the star, the child may call attention to it and even indicate the direction one must look to see it. As I stretch my heart out towards the shining love of God, someone has not before known about it, may be encouraged to look up and have hope. So the definition of enamored, because I believe God is enamored with us, that's affected by strong feelings of love, admiration, or fascination. So I mean that, that first definition, definition, definition there, affected by strong feelings of love. Today I reach out my hand to call attention to the conclusion that God is deeply in love and incredibly enamored with all of us. First, I wanted to start with a story two years ago. There was a man I was talking to. Uh, we were in a group. He was a friend. Um, and everybody was talking, but it really was just the conversation between me and him. His wife was next to him, but she was in another conversation. And he told me that, uh, it, while he didn't believe in God for different reasons, that he really saw God and he saw religion as a whole as something that would limit him. So he, he, didn't, want, he didn't want to be involved with it. So I thought about that, and then I asked him, I was like, okay, you've been married for a while, right? And he's like, yeah. He was older than me. I mean, he had been married for a while, I thought. And I said, well, isn't marriage limiting? I mean, you can't be with another person, right, if you're committed to that, to that one. Uh, you could try going on a date with somebody else. It's not a good idea. Uh, that's... Not what, you're, not what you're supposed to do. Um, but she would be upset if you did that, right? I mean, it's, it's limiting in that aspect. Um, it's limiting. You've committed the rest of your life to a person. That's, that's, that's limiting in, in that aspect, right? Uh, you agree to live in the same, the same house. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things that, you have, that you've committed to, and that's limiting. And I said, is, is, would you agree with that? And he says, well, you know, that, 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 that kind of makes sense. And then I asked him, and this is when his, his wife kind of looked over. I asked him, was it worth it? <laughs> and then, <laughs> she was in another conversation, but she seemed to hear that. And then she looks over to see what his answer was, kind of like this. <laughs> and and his, his answer was, was yes, of course. He said, well, I never really, I never really thought about it that way. See, you limit yourself... Every day you'd leave the house, right? In that aspect. 
you close a door behind you. You can't, you know, wash your clothes in the house. You can't watch TV. I guess you can do some things on your phone. But there's so many things you can't do when you leave your house. You're closing a door, but you're opening a door to what? The entire world. Anything could happen. You, you got to leave your house. You can't just see it as, oh, I'm closing a door to this. We choose to love our spouse, our children, our creator. We're stepping through a threshold and closing a door to the easy, to the self-serving, to the comfortable. And what lies on the other side is love, compassion, mercy, fulfillment, peace, joy, and hope. Sadly, many Christians and, and, and many uh, in the world are, are leaving the door closed even as they hear that knock from Jesus. Divorce is so prevalent. It's prevalent in the church. It's prevalent in the world. For many, it's just, it's just, too, too, it's just too hard, you know, uh, for good reason. You know, they, they, were, they have been betrayed. They're too heartbroken to open that door. It's just, it's, it's too much. It's too much pain to turn the knob of that door and open it again. Some are in such, plain, such pain, they leave God on the outside as well. I want to tell you one other story where it's a husband that's left outside without an answer. Story of, of God as the husband that is not only powerful, not only a promise keeper, not only all good, all knowing, and all righteous, but also, also totally enamored with his people. In uh, Songs of Solomon, it's, bless you, in Songs of Solomon, it's, love is talked about as a way, it's, it's compared to, to death, not, not in a bad way, but in its relentless persistence. You've probably heard the word death taxes. Well, it's death taxes in love. It's, in fact, it's the way it's talked about. It's persistent. It's not something that comes and goes. It's something that's persistent that doesn't stop unto death. It's talking about a relationship between a husband and a wife, but it can also be used between God and us. And as we have learned, it's even far greater for God than death. He yearns for deep personal relations with his people. In the book of Hosea, which in the Old Testament, it's after, see, it's after Daniel, before, I think, Joel. Yeah, Joel. Uh, Hosea was a prophet in Israel in a time where Israel was heavily sinful and very much into Baal worship. If you guys have heard previously uh, about Baal, and it was a fertility god. One of the countries around them worshipped Baal and they, at this time, they were worshiping Baal. It was another God, which God told them not to do, of course. So in Hosea 1-2, it says, God says, go marry a promiscuous woman. He's talking to the prophet Hosea. And have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. And if we think back to my second favorite book, Leviticus, um, maybe not my second favorite, uh, but, but if we think back there, so when Israel went, was going into the promised land, and this is very much part of Leviticus, they were given a law, right? But the promised land was not just given to them out of 
uh, out of a blessing from God, there was also judgment for those people. And God said, hey, these people in this land, they're doing these things in this law, and they are, they're really doing wretched things. Part of you going and taking this land is a, is a, a judgment on them. But I'm going to give you this law. Don't do as they do. Don't do all the... And there's lots of things. There's lots of things. If you've seen those things. And, but part of that was, if you do these things, the promise, the land that I'm giving you, you're, you, can't, you can't stay there. It was a conditional, a conditional promise in that aspect for the land. Um, it looks like we're talking about Hosea. God says, hey, marry this promiscuous woman. And he says, all right. That's interesting, but I'll do it because I love you, God. And it looks like the marriage started out well. They had a child together, um, but things, things changed quick as the woman, and you could put a man in the place. It's not about you know man or woman thing here, really. Uh, you put a man or woman in that, in that place to say, okay. Uh, well, anyway, but this changes quick as she commits adultery and has a child. She has a child with another man. It says in Hosea 1.6, she conceived again, so they had, she already had one child with Hosea, and this is Gomer is her name. She conceived again and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, call her no mercy, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. The husband, Hosea, is not the father. He's with another man. There's no natural affection that a father has for his kids. This is God's point. A father has mercy on his children. This is not, this is not Hosea's children. Gomer goes and she has another child with another man, not Hosea. And the Lord says in, uh, in 1.9, Call his name not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Now, that, that one really pulls at my heartstrings because when you think back, those are words that the Jewish people knew. They knew those words, my people. In Exodus, God calls them my people, I, I think at least 19 different times if you go through and count. If you remember, uh, Moses goes and delivers God's message to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. And over, we have the, uh, you know, the different... Um, plagues and, and, and those sort of things. So God really identified with them and used those words, my people, my people, my people. So they felt very special as they should. They should feel incredibly special. But when God says, you are not my people, again, he's referring to Israel, but in the story, the second child, or the, this is the third child that, that they've had, the, her, her name is going to be called not my people to represent Israel's status with God right now. This is the negation of the marital bond Gomer has broken in her covenant, and Israel has broken with their covenant with covenant with God. God says she did not know that it was I that gave her all these things. In private, at home, on your phone, or on your laptop. When you sneak away, when you have time, what are you, what are you doing? God has blessed you with this time to worship him. He has blessed you with the resources to buy a laptop. You're using it to be unfaithful with your eyes and with your mind. 
Are we going to Facebook and hatefully seeking who to troll? Who can we cut off by the knees? When it's not Zuckerberg, but it is God who has given us a way to connect instantaneously to literally anyone in the world. And we're going we're gonna to use that to go cut someone down? We're going to use it to break someone down, that incredible blessing of God? That's like being in a town where people are going hungry, and God says, okay, I'm going to give you a thousand tur- frozen turkeys. And it's like, oh, sweet, because we're going to feed the hungry. And it's like, oh, great. And then instead of feeding people, you fill, you fill them into a cannon and shoot them at your enemies. I mean, <laughs> Israel, Gomer, in the same way, they, they forgot that it was God who had given them these good things. Every good thing that we have comes from God, like it talks about in James. And we still forget him. We use his gifts. And Israel used his, what God had given them to pursue Baal. But mark my words, Baal, our Baal is our money, is our comfort, our addictions, our pride. Now, Hosea 2, 6-7, it says this. Because remember, uh, Gomer, the wife, is, is she's, essentially she's left the house. She's going with different guys. I mean, the, the relationship is, is really in really bad shape. God says this, therefore, and he speaks to Israel as well, I will hedge up her way with thorns. I will build a wall against her so that she cannot find her path. She shall pursue her lovers, but not overtake them. And she shall seek them, but she won't find them. And then she shall say, I will go and return to my first husband, for it was better for me then than now. Who's ever seen the hedge? Let's be honest. We've seen, I've, I've seen the hedge. So the hedge, almost like Jonah, when God knows, when God shows you that he wants you to do something, you say, okay, I want to do something a little bit different. I mean, who's, who's known that they need to do a certain job and they apply to 10 other ones and then all the interviews are just terrible or they just, they cancel? Or maybe you're doing something at church and you have, you know, 20 people showing up every week and, you know, God's kind of nudged you and say, hey, I want you to do this other thing. And you say, okay, I don't know, but I'm, I'm kind of busy. And then you show up and literally the next week there's no one there. Nobody. There's hedges. This is a a discipline that sometimes God provides, which is one of his greatest blessings when he says, we get off course and he says, look, I'm going to make you stop. And then you go back and say, okay, yes, God, whatever you want. So (sighs) glory to God for this blessing. He leaves the 99 to go after the one. We've all been the one. The faithful husband does not give up. Hosea here doesn't give up. Hosea 2.14. Therefore, I behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. Hosea 11.8. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? That's speaking about Israel. How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboam? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. Israel 49.15. 
Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, he says, even in some crazy circumstance, maybe, maybe they forget. Yet I will not forget you. And then Jeremiah 31, 20, is Ephraim my dear son? Is he my darling child? For as often as I speak against him, I do remember him still. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him, declares the Lord. Like a parent up late waiting and their, and their son or, or their daughter's out late at night, holding their breath worried, there's, there's no sleep especially when they know, okay, they've, they've kind of gotten into some trouble. We kinda, they, they know what you're doing. They always know what you're doing. And the same with the husband or the wife that sits at home alone late at night knowing that her husband or, or wife is out with, maybe with another, another person. And they, they know. They hurt. That person cannot sleep. God yearns for us like that. He cares. He knows. And his heart twists and it turns. Hosea, and I want to mention this in closing, Hosea 2, 19 to 20. God says this. He says, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me. And he's speaking about a marriage, almost like a marriage renewal. I will betroth you to me in righteousness, in justice, in steadfast love, and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. And then he says again, speaking to Israel, but really this speaking uh, regarding Gomer as well. And he says, and I will sow her for myself in the land. So God's doing a work here. I will have mercy. Remember the child, the name, one of them, no mercy. I will have mercy on no mercy. They're not my child, but they will be my child. And I will say to not my people, the ones that in no way deserve, it's the ones that aren't my people. The daughter that was, the, the daughter that was named, you are not my people. He says, you are my people. And then he says, he shall say back to me, you are my God. God restores the relationship because of his love. He takes the children in this story that are born from adultery and calls them his own. As we look further in the story, Gomer was not, he wasn't Hosea's anymore. Or she wasn't Hosea's anymore. She had gone and she was essentially a slave. Hosea had to pay money after all that she did. He had to pay money to take her back and he did. He paid suffering but loving how, how reckless is that knowing the cost and God proceeds after us God is love and even after feeling as one who had his heart ripped into pieces his relentless love affair with his people his relentless love affair with all of you it continues his heart ached to be together again to have communion with his wife speaking about Hosea and then God with his church it aches for you it aches he wants to be with his church he wants the church the church is his bride the church is also Gomer and what 
a cost that was paid. It was far more that was paid for us than what Hosea paid for Gomer. For God had to give everything. What a cost Jesus paid so that we could again, so that we could be his people. And maybe as the child, we can't reach up and grab the stars. We can't even, we can't fully grasp all of who God is or, or how much he loves us. But we can reach out to them and respond when God says, you are my people, a resounding, you are my God. So I want to end with that. If anyone here, I'd, I'd like to pray with you guys, but also if anyone here would like us, uh, someone to come and, and pray with them, that they would like to either recommit their life to Christ or for the first time commit and see, see what that means, but they want someone to come pray for them, um, just raise your hand after we're done praying and someone will come with you or someone will, will come over to you um, and someone will, will help you. Um, but let's, let's end in prayer. God, I pray that everyone here knows that you are the way, the truth, the life, that you are the only person that we need, God. You are our, our lover, God. We are in a, in a love affair with you, but God, you are so much greater. Have us never forget the emotional passion. Have us never forget how great the love is for us. Have us continue to walk in love for this next week and throughout this, uh, what's been a difficult year throughout this end of the year, God. Let's, let's attack hatred with love and proceed forward, God, and help us, Lord. Lead us, God. Lead us with your Holy Spirit and have us never forget you. Again, raise your hand if you'd like someone to come over and pray for you. Uh, then I will end with that. So,